This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by Mint Mobile and by Stitch Fix. All right, first off, you guys are awesome. In less than a week, you've already donated more than $22,000 to our fundraiser for the National Network of Abortion Funds. And that's less than two months after our previous fundraiser, which raised over $30,000. So thank you thank so you. much. This community is incredible. Uh, the fundraiser is going to stay up on our videos for the next couple days leading into uh, the 4th of July, giving everyone a reason to celebrate the 4th yeah. of July this year. Yeah, we all need one, don't we? But make sure if you do put the American flag outside of your property that it is upside down. Right. Letting everyone know that, uh, you know, we like barbecue, but the current state of affairs in the government is not something I agree with. Not celebratory. Uh-huh. Um, so, yes, it will It will be up on the next couple of videos. So if you want to donate, you can. Uh, if you can't, Again, we understand That's fine. the world is burning and uh, might as well keep your pockets from burning as well. Uh, these are scary times. It is just good to know that an audience that is primarily made up of males aged 25 to 34. According to our analytics. Is stepping up to defend abortion rights. Yeah. Yeah. A, so, real, a real group of allies we've got here. You have proved so many stereotypical things wrong with the primarily white, primarily male uh, YouTube demographic. Save that uh, receipt for the next time someone tells you you're being a misogynist. Tell them to look at this graph. That's the amount of money that they raised for abortion How rights. How much have you raised for abortion rights? That's what I thought. Exactly. But with that out of the way, I mean, the world sure is stressful right now. Uh, Joe Biden can't seem to do literally anything about anything that's happening. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I could really use a, a nice cigarette. What's that? Joe Biden is banning smoking? Well, uh, all right, what about vaping? Oh, God damn it. Okay, he's banning vaping too, I guess. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very interesting what this administration <laughs> can and can't do with its power, but okay. Let's look into that. My, my favorite example, though, recently about them being able to not do anything or do something is, did you see the, the interview with Kamala Harris where uh, they, they talk about like the inaction of Democrats on important issues? And they're like, they they want they put you in power, and now they want you to use it. And they're like, and do, she said, and do what with it? Yeah. Like, she is, uh, that woman is not camera ready, and she will never be president. And good fucking riddance. <laughs> she is bad at her job. She should have never been vice president in the first place. She's only there to basically take the fall for uh, everything this administration does. Uh, and, uh, and also to fundraise off of, as they do with every critical issue and uh, everything yeah. that revolves around... Uh, Democratic Party. Yeah. Uh, and so, anyways, no, the Biden administration is not outright banning smoking or vaping. Oh, thank God. But the Food and Drug Administration does seem to be pushing for some serious new regulations and is also, in fact, trying to fully ban vaping products from the company Juul. So let's start with the new rules for tobacco companies before we get into why exactly Juul in particular is on the chopping block. Now, here's the Washington Post with some news uh, that came last week but uh, kind of fell on the back burner as soon as the Supreme Court handed down their decision on Roe v. Wade. Yeah, a lot of, lot of things. I had a, a great joke even lined up for News Dump and just had to virtually crumple up the digital uh, document and throw it away. Yeah, well, maybe you can use it again today. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, here's, uh, here's that news. The Biden administration said Tuesday it plans to develop a rule requiring tobacco companies to reduce nicotine levels in cigarettes sold in the United States to minimally or non-addictive levels, an effort that, if successful, could have an unprecedented effect in slashing smoking-related deaths and threaten a politically powerful industry. 
The initiative was included in the administration's Unified Agenda, a compilation of planned federal regulatory actions released twice a year. The spring agenda was released Tuesday. The administration notice said the Food and Drug Administration intends by May 2023 to develop a proposed standard that would establish a maximum nicotine level in cigarettes and certain finished tobacco products. In a statement released late Tuesday, the FDA said the goal is to reduce youth use, addiction, and death. If nicotine were reduced, many addicted users would have a greater ability to quit and young people could be prevented from becoming regular smokers, the agency said. So basically, cigarettes would still be available. They just wouldn't give much of a buzz or uh, cause much of a physical addiction due to having their nicotine levels reduced. Uh, How those nicotine levels would be reduced seems to currently be a mystery. I mean, you know, Coke Zero exists. Just make the nicotine levels go down. How hard could it be? Yeah, I don't know. There's probably chemists somewhere. I mean... Yeah, like they'll figure it out. The fact that there's so many zero calorie, what tastes like sugary, terrible drinks out, uh, like the, you know, bang energy, zero calories. How? It tastes like you're drinking uh, like electrical fluid. Yeah. So, something that is just how did they horrible for you. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, we don't know how they would take the nic- nicotine levels down. Uh, it kind of sounds like a good idea. If it's possible. Because if you can still uh, savor the smooth aroma yeah. of tobacco. But not too smooth, and we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> it, it's not clear if there's even a known method for taking tobacco leaves and reducing its nicotine potency. Like I said, diet cigarettes. I mean, this is a plant grown in the ground, though. It's yeah. not like down at the Coca-Cola factory where they're just like, boop, boop, boop. Yeah. And I think they already marketed diet cigarettes. I think those were the Virginia Slims. You've come a long way, baby. <laughs> They're just smaller. They're thinner, like you <laughs> ought to be. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it can be done in the way that cannabis plants have been selectively bred to have sp- uh, specific potencies or different compounds. Or maybe it can be something similar to the various processes that remove caffeine from coffee beans to produce decaf coffee. I don't know. I'm not a scientist or a chemist. No. Uh, It's totally unclear for now, uh, which probably just means that tobacco companies have a year or so to just figure it out themselves if they want to stay in business. They better get on that then, I guess. The Carolinas are going to have to rejoin and create one stronger Carolina in order to survive. All Carolina. Yeah. (laughs) What's going to happen when they lose the Carolina Prime. (laughs) Carolina Plus. When they lose the tobacco industry, it's going to be bad. All they've got is like race car companies. Yeah. And, uh, And, well, and and, Epic Games. And Danny McBride. True. And his TV shows. Yeah, so there's enough there left over. Yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah. And yeah, we should point out, uh, just to be absolutely clear here, smoking is bad for your health. You absolutely should never start. Yeah, not only is nicotine addictive, but cigarettes are also full of carcinogens with an undeniable link to several cancers. And smoking also causes other cardiovascular issues that can lower your life expectancy. Uh, Various public health efforts over the past several decades have reduced cigarette smoking rates from nearly half the population in the mid-20th century to just a little over 10% these days. Mm -hmm. And the people who continue to smoke uh, actually consume significantly fewer cigarettes per day compared to 50 years ago when people were just going through like multiple packs a day. So things are going in the right direction, but I I guess it still remains a pretty big public health issue that they are hoping to fully eliminate. It's also extremely regional. Uh, That is also true. I go back and forth, as we know, to Florida and California. It is fucking rare to see someone smoking a cigarette in public in California, yeah. you have to go to like a smoking area of a bar to see you it don't frequently. See it. You do not see it here, at least in Southern California. Florida, you go back and it's like still smoking in bars in a lot of cases, smoking everywhere, cigarette butts fucking everywhere. It is That's crazy. It's it's wild. 
Um, so, I like living here. I mean, nothing better than being out in the nice, lovely humidity yeah. and heat of Florida. and uh, Soaking on a soggy butt. Sucking down a stogue, <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, uh, on top of slashing nicotine levels, the FDA announced earlier this year that they want to ban all flavorings in cigarettes and cigars, with menthol obviously being the most prominent target. Racist. Yeah, the, the idea is that flavors like menthol make smoking not only feel good, but also taste good. And therefore, it contributes to addiction, especially among youths who might not otherwise smoke non-flavored cigarettes. Um, but speaking of the youth, smoking, it's not too popular for teenagers and young adults these days. But vaping definitely is. There's charts, uh, look at this graph, that uh, have the decline of <laughs> yeah. smoking and then vape, like st- steady decline of smoking and then vaping exists yeah. like 2010s and then just skyrockets back up. Yeah, it's impossible. If you're working in any like government capacity in public health, you see this shit and you're like, well, this is bad. We need to find some way, any way at all to uh, undo this. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, it makes sense. It's a lot less harsh on the lungs. It doesn't have a lingering smell. And it can be done discreetly. For example, in a bathroom stall between classes. It is tailor-made, seemingly on purpose, for a younger generation to embrace it. It looks like a USB stick. That's not a cigarette. And while vaping used to be kind of hard to get into with all sorts of different types of juices and devices to figure out and just... Did you get the right cartomizer for your uh, your battery pack? Jules made vaping just simple, done, yeah. ready to go. Uh, but even, in, even a child can do it. <laughs> they have. Yeah. Uh, but that might be coming to an end. Uh, here's USA Today. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration on Thursday announced a nationwide ban on the sale and marketing of Juul Labs, Inc. vaping and e-cigarette products. The federal agency cited insufficient and conflicting data in Juul's application to continue selling non-fruit-flavored products. The company must cease marketing and sales of the Juul vaping device and four types of liquid pods, Virginia tobacco-flavored and menthol-flavored pods with nicotine levels of 5% and 3%. So, basically, Juul claims that their products are safe and appropriate for the protection of public health, and the FDA disagrees. My favorite uh, talking point against Juul that we've talked about before is like, when people are like, did you know that there is enough, there's the same amount of nicotine in one Juul cartridge as a pack of cigarettes? It's just like, yeah, that's the point. The the point is that it's... uh, It goes straight to your head. Yeah, and it's uh, theoretically cheaper if you're not, like, just pounding it. I mean, it used to be. It's definitely not anymore. In in California, uh, I don't know how anyone's still going to the store. They banned, like, the the flavor ones, like, at the beginning of the pandemic. I had to go to the underground. To go to the the vape shops that were uh, yeah, it in people the, in go the back. to like Canada and Mexico and come back with uh, their coveted like mango and mint flavored carts. <laughs> yeah, well, sa- I mean, not sadly, I- I'm an example of the fact that it did work by banning those because yeah, I it, I stopped I stopped vaping. They just made it less convenient and less enjoyable. And the other and, ones yeah. taste like shit. They really do. Yeah. Um. So no judgment. I mean, I used to smoke cigarettes. I used to vape. Vaping did help me get kick the actual cigarette habit, which was good, but I feel a lot better not doing either of them. So um, use it as inspiration if you're a smoker. Um, anyways, this is just the latest chapter in a long-running feud between Juul and the FDA, which stems from Juul making health claims about its products that the FDA didn't like. And also, uh, th- and this is the real stinger, yeah. uh, straight up marketing to children. Oops. Yeah. Here's the New York Times back in 2020. 
Juul Labs, the vaping company that has long insisted it never marketed its products to teenagers, purchased ad space in its early days on numerous youth-focused websites, including those of Nickelodeon, the Cartoon Network, Seventeen Magazine, and educational sites for middle school and high school students, according to a lawsuit filed Wednesday by the Massachusetts Attorney General. The suit, brought by the state's Attorney General, Mara Healy, presents some of the starkest evidence to date that the company was targeting young non-smokers during its launch period from June 2015 through early 2016. And yeah, so the lawsuit also alleges that Juul scrapped an entire ad campaign that they had ready to go that was targeted at Gen X consumers. And this one, it was like a picture of like Zach Morris's big ass phone being like, you know, technology improves, it gets smaller or whatever. Yeah. Clearly, clearly marketed at people my age. Uh, they made that and they're like, no, nope, let's go with something else. Uh, they fired their ad agency and they instead with it, went with a new campaign, uh, clearly targeted at Gen Z and younger millennials. And when you see the examples of the two ad campaigns side by side, it is very hard to deny uh, what they're doing here, what motivated that decision. Uh, but it actually gets much worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, from that same New York Times article, the suit says Jewel paid a company to place digital promotions across websites. The list where they ran includes educational sites like basicmathematics.com, coolmath.com, mathaids.com, mathplayground.com, mathway.com, onlinemathlearning.com, purplemath.com, and socialstudiesforkids.com. It includes sites targeted to young girls such as dailydressupgames.com, diddygames.com, forhergames.com, games2girls.com, girlsgames.com, and girlsgogames.com. None of those websites sound real. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It also includes sites geared to high school students looking at colleges like collegeconfidential.com. That sounds like a porn site. And sites aimed at much younger children, including allfreekidscrafts.com, (laughs) hellokids.com, and kidsgameheroes.com. This is egregious. But also, all of those websites sound fake. Yeah. Oh, and they also... Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. There's a whole world of children that I'm completely yeah, no, outside I, I of. Yeah, I have no idea, yeah. Like, um, when I first heard about ABC Mouse, I'm like, that sounds fake, but apparently uh, they love it. Uh, but they also... Um, they, like, knowingly uh, took, like, signups from uh, people who, who have, like, a domain in their email that's, like, a high school. Oh, like, God. <laughs> for students. It's like, come on. Uh, Just like at blankhighschool.edu. Yeah, anyone who's bought ad space knows that uh, this was intentional. Yeah. There are an infinite number of variables that you can select from, and they, if what is being alleged in this lawsuit is true, definitely targeted. If you're selling nicotine products, like, you know, going into it, that you have to be extremely careful about how your products are marketed. Yeah. Um. So... If they really wanted to market to Gen Z kids these days, they'd just be like, life is hell. Want to get to the end quicker? Yeah. Or start selling their jewels with that weird, like, haircut with the, like, afro on the front, but sides. What? <laughs> that haircut all those kids have that's like a like fucking... A pompadour? Yeah, it's like that weird Gen Z... It's like a pompadour, but it comes down... It's like pompadour bangs. The kids love it. Man, I am happy to be disconnected. It's a, It's a meme of, like... Putting that haircut on. All I know about things. is that the 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 younger kids are making fun of the millennials for wearing the the, the uh, skinny jeans because they're all they're, the mom jeans are in apparently. They're more comfortable. God, I, I feel so fucking old right now. I yeah, I don't care what children think about me. <laughs> hey, you shut up! I don't care. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, the FDA pretty strongly believes that Jewel is 
primarily responsible for the huge uptick in youth vaping over the past few years, and they have pretty good reason to feel that way. Back in 2020, they banned Juul from selling any of its flavors except for menthol and tobacco in response to how many teenagers were using those other Juul flavors. Um, and a problem here, though, was that any benefit to that flavor ban was kind of thwarted by the fact that other similar vaping systems, some of which are sold by established, uh, long-running tobacco companies like R.J. Reynolds and whatnot. <laughs> Philip Morris? Yeah, the, those companies, their vaping lines were still totally free to sell uh, fruity flavors and stuff that's like, you know, if you didn't know what a jewel looked like, you wouldn't even be able to tell them apart. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's no reason to think that an FDA ban on all jewel sales wouldn't also just mean teenagers switching to a different brand. Uh, but for now, the jewel ban has been postponed. You can breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> <laughs> you can blow a cloud of relief. Yeah. Uh, as explained here by the New York Times. A federal appeals court on Friday granted a temporary reprieve to Juul Labs that will allow it to keep its e-cigarettes on the market, pending further court review of a decision just a day earlier by the Food and Drug Administration to ban sales of the company's products. The United States Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia issued a temporary stay that had been sought by Juul. The brief order by the appeals court cautioned that the stay, quote, should not be construed in any way as a ruling on the merits. In its emergency filing for a stay, Juul argued that the FDA's decision to ban sales was motivated by political forces that sought to blame the company for the youth vaping crisis. The FDA issued the ruling against Juul after immense political pressure from Congress, the filing reads, even though several of its competitors now have a larger market share and much higher underage use rates. Um, They're not wrong. Yeah, but also, like, it's a bit odd for them to be like, Juul's not responsible for the youth vaping epidemic. And yeah, it's like, you absolutely your are. product is a like verb and a noun that is directly related to the consumption yeah, of vape products. I remember a couple of years back when this first started, uh, you know, one of our favorite subgenres of news is like uh, local news stations finding out about things kids are into. And like nowadays it's just like taking some random TikTok trend that might not even be a trend and like, making scare stories around it. But like, yeah, we, I remember one like circa 2016, it was like, there's this new kind of vaping. It's called juuling. Like uh, we're, we're going to get the teachers uh, and the students and the parents down to this meeting to talk about this new juuling thing. Well, and so the cutting back to the companies that they're trying to call out here is, and I don't agree with it at all, by the way. I'm just saying that like companies like for instance, R.J. Reynolds and Philip Morris have been doing this for a hundred of years. They know hundreds of years or a hundred years. They've uh, regular like regulatory anyway, but uh, they have every process in place to meet the criteria set forth by the government. Yeah. They also have fucking lobbyists who are doing all of the They're actual work. Very for them. powerful companies. They have roots like, within the government that Jewel Labs does not have. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's like Jewel is pretty monolithic in the vaping space, but if you compare like the market cap of Juul compared to like Altria or whatever, like all these other big uh, Carolina-based, yeah. Virginia-based companies. It's like, in like Juul is just this little dot. These other companies are these just monolithic empires yeah, and of just tobacco. And it's like, oh, I guess we're just going to, you know, you guys figure out, I don't know, how to make the tobacco, the nicotine content less, but like, Juul, you're out of there. Yeah, but that's the thing is these companies have been around forever and have every aspect of production, distribution, regulation, yeah. down to a T. Whereas the government changes one thing and Philip Moore's like, yeah, all right, whatever. Sure. Here's our lobbyist. 
He'll figure it out, and then we'll figure it out whenever you guys come to a consensus. And Jules just like, wait, we have to do fucking what now? We have to ha- pause this and do this and do this. Yeah, their biggest crime was not hiring enough lobbyists. Sounds like <laughs> that, that's anyone's... and also marketing to children. That that would be the, the biggest crime. Yeah. If they if they could if they could turn back time, if they could find a way. The one thing I wish uh, we did don't do, market to children and also hire some better lobbyists. I I think our biggest mistake was uh, appearing next to a uh, SpongeBob video on Nickelodeon.com. Yeah, that's probably where it all started to go wrong. Or or now the, that you uh, mention it. Or the uh, sponsored content on Mathematics.com that was like Joey has five jewels <laughs> but only seven cards. Cartridges. Uh, how can he make seven cartridges last one week in the school bathroom or something like that? <laughs> and, that uh, and that kid got an A on his test. <laughs> yeah, because he's giving the teacher jewel cartridges. I got these from Canada. They're the good stuff. Anyway, that's where things are right now with Jewel and the FDA. Uh, Jewel is totally correct in pointing out that banning their products likely won't have much of an effect on youth vaping if its competitors are allowed to continue doing business. But the big lesson here is clearly you do not want to fuck with the FDA. I mean, they, over the years, the FDA was like, you better better cut that out, Jewel. And they're like, yeah, okay, FDA, <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, look at you now. They got you on the ropes. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. So let's move on now to our next story. Uh, another thing that the youth just can't get enough of. Everything's coming back. It's all cyclical. Have you heard of this hot new thing that all the Gen Zers are all about? Radio Shack, this 101-year-old company is totally on fleek. No cap. Dab. Uh, but seriously, we did kind of forget that Radio Shack still existed. Even though we, I think we talked about it like a couple months ago. It went through various poof. stages of death. But uh, yeah, it has managed to rise from the dead multiple times in recent years and is currently, uh, at least in the U.S., part of a company co-owned by Ty Lopez, which uh, basically just buys up dead brands and revi- rev- revives them as e-commerce ventures that may or may not just be drop shipping operations. Yeah, and it, it, there's some truth to just buying up dead brands and then using whatever shred of nostalgia anyone has left for them to, yeah, you know, monetize it. So it's a thing that works, but uh, it completely goes against everything that Radio Shack stood for, Yeah, which is buying and selling diodes. Need more diodes. <laughs> they do have diodes now. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Outside of the U.S., Radio Shack is still a retail brand, but the current U.S. Radio Shack is just an on- online retailer, which, based on their website, does offer a lot of electronic hobby and DIY products that were Radio Shack's bread and butter in its heyday, like soldering tools and various electronic components. But that doesn't seem to be the core of its business. The core of Radio Shack's business is now, apparently... Crypto. Oh, good. They've got some sort of crypto exchange website set up where you can trade Ether plus a bunch of other tokens that we've never heard of. And yeah, I mean, obviously the timing couldn't be funnier. This will save the Radio Shack brand. Mm-hmm. We're now they're moving into crypto. It's going to be smooth sailing. And then like two months later, well, fuck. <laughs> Shit, what else you got? Yeah. And in addition to getting into the crypto game right as everything comes crashing down, um, they're also just not as established as other players in the crypto space and not really a brand that anyone would associate with cryptocurrency. So none of that's good. They got to get the word out. How are they going to do that? Well, let's check Radio Shack's Twitter. If you find a squirter, marry her. (laughs) All right. Cool. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it looks like they're going with that uh, tried and true marketing method of just being a a cool brand like Wendy's and Steakum and all the other extremely annoying brands that desperately want you to know that they're, they're not like those other brands. They're pretty cool, actually. And scrolling through their recent tweets, uh, it, it's on full display. Uh, in tweets like, 
Taking the second half of an edible after feeling nothing from the first half is always a bad idea. This chocolate bar got me out here fighting for my life. Thank you, Radio Shack. <laughs> hey, at Miley Cyrus, you up? Great stuff. I think the only person who's serviced more customers than us over the years is Jake Paul's girlfriend. Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. Uh, and then this extremely crass image from a porno that we're not going to explain, but seems to imply some sort of beef with the Wendy's account. Uh, also, lots of ongoing references to Radio Shack's batteries being used for vibrators. Um, so there you go. Cool. Yeah, they've also been doing the like Wendy's thing of picking fights with people in their replies who tell them that this shit is lame. And just, they just generally seem to be really going for the whole, oh, wow, this brand sure is a savage thing that it really peaked like four years ago, yeah. maybe even longer. It's a, but, but it's like in a lot of cases with the other big brands, they're either more self-aware or, you know, less abrasive. This is, <laughs> they're actually being fucking like mean-spirited. Like these are actually yeah. mean-spirited tweets towards I get, people. At least when Duolingo's uh, TikTok uh, posts about like eating ass. It's like all in good fun. They're not, they're not getting mean about it. Yeah, they said that Billie Eilish's poops smell good. <laughs> <laughs> Is Duolingo still up to that? Or did they find? I get don't caught? know. I have no idea. I haven't been following as much, but uh, I would assume so. I, I believe the uh, them wishing they could be in the bathroom when Billie Eilish uh, goes to it uh, was probably like. Someone finally was like, Adios mio! Okay. I know. Calm down. Look, your metrics have been great. Great job, but at what cost? Our mascot keeps getting arrested when they appear at sports games. So, yeah, after that squirter tweet gained wider attention across Twitter by everyone being like, wait, Radio Shack still exists? And this is what they're up to? Um, Yeah, it seems that the higher-ups at Radio Shack may have finally stepped in to do a little bit of damage control because... Tweets and replies from the last day or so started vanishing at an alarming rate, right as the wider internet started noticing that uh, this ain't your grandpa's Radio Shack. This is, this Radio Shack, uh, this Radio Shack fucks, all right? I miss where I could go down and get parts for my ham radio. Yeah, well, now you can go ham on that ham. You know, Radio Shack's always been like a, a front for, a viable front for nefarious activities you got like pirate radio stuff that you used to yeah. be able to do uh you could uh, buy certain things like in the 90s to uh do a little uh light hacking uh and then in the mid-2000s it flourished as the the one surefire place in any city where you could get a, b- a burner phone like that yeah if you needed a burner phone baby radio shack will let you buy whatever the fuck you want no questions asked no 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 we won't even look you in the eye and now they're like oh we, we have to find a new way to rip people off yeah. Or for other people to rip people Cryptocurrency. Uh-huh. Anyways, we do have more news coming right up, but it's time to let you know that this episode is <laughs> ironically sponsored by Mint Mobile. Uh, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when you first hear that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, you might think, what's the catch? But that's just a thing. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores, like you know who, and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. 
Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for the whole family, and at Mint, families start at just two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com newsday. That is mintmobile.com newsday. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com newsday. And this episode is sponsored by Stitch Fix. Shopping for clothes can be daunting. You never know if things are going to fit. Returns are difficult. And sometimes you don't even know where to start. This season, let Stitch Fix do all the hard work. It's easy and fun to get started. First, take a few minutes to set up your Stitch Fix style profile. Answer a few questions about what you like to wear, what you don't, and how open you are to trying new styles. Then Stitch Fix's expert stylists will get to work finding items exclusively for you. Every piece is handpicked for you and is unique to your size, style, and in your budget, making it the best way to discover clothes that make you look and feel your best. Stitch Fix will send you five pieces to try on at home. You keep what you love and you send back what you don't. Shipping, returns, and exchanges, they're always easy and free. Plus, there's no subscription required. You can try once or set up automatic deliveries, and there are no hidden fees ever. So sign up for Stitch Fix and get the season's latest pieces for women, men, and kids. Sign up today at stitchfix.com newsday to get $20 off your first purchase. That is stitchfix.com newsday to get $20 off your first purchase. Limited time offer. Purchase within two days of sign up. All right, let's get back to the news now with some Elon Musk news. Uh, does he own Twitter yet? No. Apparently not. Much like the Duolingo account, he's been suspiciously quiet recently. Uh, uh. But yeah, he's got plenty of other companies to run in the meantime. And as you'll recall, Elon Musk is not a fan of remote work, despite all of the mountains of evidence showing that remote workers are just as productive as workers who commute to the office. And also their mental health is in much better shape in a and lot of cases. in a lot of cases, more productive. Yeah. So after basically threatening to fire Tesla office workers who didn't come back to the office, they came back. So how's that going? Well, here's The Verge summarizing a recent report from The Information. After Tesla CEO Elon Musk commanded remote employees to return to work or else lose their jobs, the company was reportedly ill-prepared to welcome back its workers. According to a report from The Information, employees arrived at Tesla's Fremont, California facility only to find a lack of parking spots, no desk to sit at, and crappy Wi-Fi. Where's Starlink when you need it? Current employees at Tesla told the information that those who drove to work at the Fremont factory struggled to find a place to park. Some reportedly opted to park their cars at a nearby BART station instead and then get shuttled to work by Tesla. Inside the office, the information reports some workers didn't even have a place to sit. The company reportedly decided to repurpose certain areas of the office during the pandemic and also didn't account for a larger team. According to the information, the desk situation was so bad that managers told some employees to work from home anyway. Even if employees could sit down, the Wi-Fi signal was too weak for them to work. Huh. See, yeah, it turns out Elon, you know, told everyone to get back to the office without stopping to consider that Tesla's headcount has nearly doubled since the start of the pandemic, which would mean the need for stuff like more parking spaces, more desks, and of course, more internet bandwidth. But, you know, one solution to this is just fire a bunch of people, and Tesla's, I guess, also doing that. Well, that would be the easiest solution, yeah. right? Uh, to be clear, it doesn't look like that Fremont office is getting layoffs, but Tesla is laying off around 200 employees at the San Mateo office whose jobs involve data annotation for Tesla's autopilot system. Which is kind of a strange move, considering all of the scrutiny that autopilot has been getting lately due to all the serious car crashes it's been involved in. 
you would think they'd want even more people working on it to make it good, but I guess not. Uh, yeah. So moving on though to a bit of a, a rerun. It looks like the U.S. government is going after TikTok again. I love this song. Uh, last time with Trump, his executive orders threatening to ban TikTok were so legally dubious that nothing ended up actually happening. But this time, the threats are coming from the FCC, or at least one Trump-appointed FCC commissioner looking to pick things up where Trump left off. The government also has a lot more evidence now ju to justify going after TikTok than it did two years ago, with the biggest recent bombshell coming from a BuzzFeed news report that happened earlier this month. Uh, here's some from that article. For years, TikTok has responded to data privacy concerns by promising that information gathered about users in the United States is stored in the United States rather than China where ByteDance, the video platform's parent company, is located. But according to leaked audio from more than 80 internal TikTok meetings, China-based employees of ByteDance have repeatedly accessed non-public data about U.S. TikTok users, exactly the type of behavior that inspired former President Donald Trump to threaten to ban the app in the United States. The recordings, which were reviewed by BuzzFeed News, contain 14 statements from nine different TikTok employees indicating that engineers in China had access to U.S. data between September 2021 and January 2022, at the very least. Despite a TikTok executive's sworn testimony in an October 2021 Senate hearing that a world-renowned U.S.-based security team decides who gets access to this data, nine statements by eight different employees describe situations where U.S. employees had to turn to their colleagues in China to determine how U.S. user data was flowing. U.S. staff did not have permission or knowledge of how to access the data on their own, according to the tapes. Concerns about a Chinese company, and by extension the Chinese government, having direct access to user data from one of the most popular apps in the United States is pretty concerning. Though right before BuzzFeed published their article, TikTok announced that they'd just completed fully rerouting all their U.S.-based user traffic to U.S.-based Oracle cloud servers, but that's still not a guarantee that this data isn't ended up in China. So far, FCC Commissioner Brendan Carr has now sent a letter to Tim Cook and Sundar Pichai asking them to remove TikTok from the Apple and Google app stores because it is a national security risk. Mm. The FCC can't force Apple and Google to comply with the request, but clearly banning TikTok is back on the menu for the U.S. government. And we'll surely be hearing further developments about this over the coming months. Uh, is Walmart going to step back into the picture and buy the app? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That was so funny. It was just like, it was such a mess. I mean, I didn't even realize the, the Oracle deal actually did seemingly go through, but like in a really limited way. They're, they're handling the server workflow because Oracle is owned by Larry Ellison, who's one of Trump's best buds. So mm -hmm. that worked out. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, sounds like the, <laughs> I mean, we already talked about it a while back, like how uh, TikTok employees in the US are basically like being worked to death. Because they're working on the U.S. Uh, time zone and then also the Chinese time zone. They're working two separate time zones at once. They get maybe four hours out of the day where they're not like well, yeah. expected to be on the clock. Also, trying to even get close to matching the uh, heavy-handed uh, productivity uh, yeah. that uh, exists in China in, in a lot of cases. Yeah. I'm just like, and they're we, all... we can't really keep up by uh, a person who's scared to death of... Uh, not being 110% productive. And oh, yeah. And, they, and they're also all, uh, the departments are all walled off from each other and like no one knows how to do anything. So they're always having to get China on the line to sort things out because yeah. they're intentionally like information's withheld from them. So yeah, it totally makes sense. Uh, it's like, well, the only person who can fix this is in Beijing right now. So we got to let them have access to the data. Anyway, every fucking social app steals your data. It's just this one is a government. So. 
yeah, I a don't little know. bit more cautious. They're all bad. Yeah. It's not good. Mm-mm. But but the creativity of all of you out there is astonishing. Yeah, I mean, hey. When you take away the barriers to entry, like even YouTube has pretty low barriers to entry, but make it even easier and the people come up with some pretty funny stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. they do. But at what cost? <laughs> uh, a great one, apparently. A great cost. Uh, but speaking of national security concerns, so, uh, this week the FBI issued a public service announcement uh, warning companies that cyber criminals are applying for remote jobs using not only stolen identities, but also literally deep fakes of their identity theft victims. Uh, this is being done presumably to harvest sensitive data from companies and users for normal crime purposes or maybe even foreign intelligence purposes. Um, it's horrifying, but also it's kind of brilliant. Uh, imagine you're just a tech worker in the U.S. with a decent resume and some hacker buys your personal inf- info on the, the dark web, the black market. They use that to apply for a job as you and they even show up on the job interview Zoom call looking and sounding like you. And then once they've gotten what they want uh, and they're out of here, uh, the, the cops, they come to you to sort out the crime that the fake you committed. <laughs> Arrested for what, Spionage? Corporate espionage? Whoa, 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 <laughs> No, I would never do that. Now, of course, that kind of thing is kind of hard to pull off convincingly, and that's why the FBI is aware of it and warning others about it. From their report, while some of the deepfake recordings used are convincing enough, others can be easily detected due to various sync mismatches, mainly spoofing the applicants' voices. Quote, Complaints report the use of voice spoofing or potentially voice deepfakes during online interviews of the potential applicants, the U.S. Federal Law Enforcement Agency added. In these interviews, the actions and lip movement of the person seen interviewed on camera do not completely coordinate with the audio of the person speaking. At times, actions such as coughing, sneezing, or other auditory actions are not aligned with what is presented visually. The recruiters out there are going to have to ask, Hey, can you uh, tilt your head back and forth? Yeah. Uh, Sing your ABCs. And then sneeze for me? I mean, yeah, they're going to have to start doing that. So, yeah, it's, it's unknown whether any criminals have successfully used these methods to steal from companies. I mean, the fact that it made it all the way to the FBI and it's a big enough problem that they're warning everyone about it uh, would indicate that someone's probably gotten somewhat far with it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, if you're a hiring manager at a tech company right now, uh, you do need to consider whether the person you're talking to is a deep fake. The simple solution here, of course, is just ask your applicants to blink a bunch of times or... Turn their head a full 90 degrees. That's when the mask falls off. Mm -hmm. But yeah, still very weird and creepy. And uh, we're probably not too far off from someone being arrested and charged with a crime committed by someone else using deepfakes pretending to be them. This is all just a plot by the FBI to get people uh, back in the office and in-person interviews. This is the problem with work from home. You never know who you're talking to. Someone's going to steal your identity Uh and commit a crime pretending to be you. And then... uh, Well, that's your face right there. That's your voice right there. The old days when secret agents had to live their full fake lives. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that's it for uh, this week's episode of Tech News Day. Please stay tuned for uh, News Dump and Weekly Weird News as we round out the week. But if you haven't already, please watch our most recent episodes. Uh, We have Rudy Giuliani being... Brutally assaulted. Assaulted, assaulted, among other things, in this week's first episode. That one might even be age-gated for the the snuff that it shows. That one isn't yet, but (laughs) our recent episode of Weekly Weird News has been age-gated, so make sure you're signed in. Yeah. All the bells are turned on and all that. uh, Or click the join button if you so wish. And uh, make sure you're seeing the videos because that'll happen. But if you haven't already, watch both of those videos over here. Uh, Thank you for watching, and thank you for donating to the abortion fundraiser. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.